It's something we all know, but I think sometimes God needs to put a reminder back into our, into our lives, doesn't he? Over the last few weeks, Nathan has decided that for this Advent, his series is going to be on, um, on, on who is Jesus or who Jesus is. And so he's spent the last two weeks, he's decided that John's Gospel is going to be the theme, is that right, or the book he's going through. And he's been focusing on miracles that Jesus performed. The very first week he spoke about the the miracle at the wedding of Cana. The very first miracle that was recorded that Jesus did. And in some ways people could say, oh, this was his little practice miracle. And I am not going to spend any time this morning talking or, or, or stressing the volume of water he turned into wine or what William Booth would think about it. But just the fact that it was a miracle, it was something he did. And it really was his entry into the reality of the fact that he was a supernatural power. Last week he spoke about um, the, the, the miracle of the... Um, the centurion's son, the, the, uh, the official, that's the word I'm looking for, son. And the incredible part about this miracle was there was no laying on hands. There was no praying over the son. In fact, the son was 20 kilometres away. And the father approached Jesus and said, what can you do? And Jesus, just with the authority that God had invested in him, said, your son is healed. And from that distance, the scriptures tell us that at the exact time, that son was restored. And so thinking about it, I've felt this deep pressure to continue talking about the miracles of Jesus as recorded in John's Gospel, so I don't throw you off track. But what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about a particular miracle that is not one of the seven that are recorded in John's Gospel, though it's in John's Gospel. Does that make sense? Sounds very confusing to me. Let me confuse you all the more. Okay, so um, let me say that it's not one of those seven miracles attributed to Jesus, but depending on how you look at it theologically, it could even be argued that Jesus didn't even perform this miracle. And yet, he is central to it, because it couldn't have happened without him. And it clearly explains to me who Jesus is. So now that I've got you completely confused, let's pray. Father God, we just um, stand or sit in your presence this morning with awe. We just thank you for who you are. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you because in your great plan, you have brought us together right now at this time to be in this place. And Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit might touch our lives, that you might speak through your word to our very hearts, and that we might hear the message you have for us this morning. And so, Father, we just pray that you would, you would dull all other voices and all other noises, mine particularly, And help us hear your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Something I learnt or or took on as part of my my mantra as as an officer, as a minister, a long time ago, was was 
In fact, I've got it written in my Bible so that I remember when I start to prepare a message is that I don't want to flood you with too much information. I hate glasses. And so the message I write here is, as I'm starting to prepare, what is the one thing I want people to know from the Word of God this morning? The one thing, not the 10 points, the one thing, not that I'm saying wrong with 10 points, 10 points lead to the one thing. Um, and then the second thing is, what do I want you to do with it? Once you hear, once you understand that one thing, then what are you going to do about it? And so I mightn't be too long this morning. I will be very simple, but let's keep that in mind. And I want to self-disclose at the very start and say that a number of times when Nathan gets up to speak, he'll talk about a movie or a show that he's been watching and talk about characters. And I have to confess, he's totally lost me. I have no idea about those shows. I've never heard of the characters. I wouldn't even know where to go to look at them. And so I just go along with it and know it's going to lead me somewhere, but I don't know who he's talking about. Well, for some of the more mature in age people this morning, here's my little comeback. I want to talk about a program this morning. And I'm sure that I'm going to lose half of you when I talk about it. Because first of all, it's going to be about free-to-air TV. Do some of you even know what that is? And to make it even worse, it's about a program that's on the ABC. Does that show my age? Another confession, since retirement, and I've had some time to watch television, I've discovered that the ABC and SBS have some powerful programs on them. And I, I'm not tuned to them all the time, but I've discovered that there are some really good things on it. And so this program, I'm sure a lot of you have never heard of, but I'm counting on the fact that some of you have. I've been watching it recently as a rerun, and it's on at 5.30, so probably not too many other people have watched it. But it's um, a show called Long Lost Family. Has anybody, hands up if you've even heard of it, let alone watched it. Well, there's three or four of us. Don't worry, so I don't lose you, I'm going to explain it all to you. So, first of all, it's a British program, what a surprise. But it's a program that is seeking to reconnect family members who have been separated, usually for a very long period of time. Most were children, um, mainly infants at the time that they, they, the separation took place. And now, as they've become adults, they want to connect with the maternal mother or father. Separation was caused by the parents or parent giving them up for adoption at birth or placing them into care just after birth. I want to state that in this program, as I watch it, most of these, I'm going to get confused if I keep calling them children, because they're not, most of these searchers who are looking for this family member have been brought up in homes that have been very loving, homes that have provided them with opportunities in life that probably their families of origin could never have given them. 
So it's not as if these children are wanting to, to, to search for their family of origin because life has been dreadful to them. Does that make much sense? Most are not searching because they have felt unwanted or, in, or unloved by their families of origin. And the reality is that most of them leave the search until later in life, often waiting for their adoptive parents to pass on. And they do that mainly out of respect for their adoptive parents. So if that's the background, now why this intent of trying to find their, their long-lost family? Why have they, they decided to, to, um, to seek out their past? Can I say that other than not wanting to cause any distress, pain or, or, or anguish to their adoptive families, here are the main reasons or here are the common threads that I've picked up as I've watched the program. I haven't religiously watched it. The series I've watched, some of the common threads that come out as to, to why they are doing this. One of the key reasons is because they have this deep inner longing to understand their true identity. They, um, they want to know their DNA. You know what it's like as children. Sometimes we, we develop somehow the mannerisms of our parents. There are things that we do that they have done. And I know that I can only speak on behalf of my two sons that there are times in life they've, they've done something and this shock horror hits them when they think, oh no, I'm turning into my dad. Good luck with that, boys. That's all I can say. And so these people get to the point where they think, I've been brought up in a loving situation, but I want to know my DNA. I want to know that connection. Another key reason that they want to search for, for their, their family of origin is to reconcile the why. Many have lived their whole life not understand, or knowing most of them that they were adopted, that hasn't usually been hidden from them. But you can understand there's this question that goes through their, their minds throughout their whole life, was I not good enough? Was I not loved? Why did they want to, want to get rid of me? Why did they want me out of their lives? Why could they not do life with me? Another reason is that they want to find the missing piece to the puzzle that has been their life journey. And then once they know the why, the background, the history, the real reason, they then want to be able to, to refocus on life and start a new beginning and move forward. So here is the process of the program. They've started the search and they've reached roadblocks. They can't go any further. And so, so they approach this program and ask them, their researchers, to dig deeper and see whether they can find what they couldn't themselves. After the search has revealed who they are looking for, the parent or the sibling is approached by someone from the program and asked to see whether they would like to make contact with their, the child that they gave up so long ago. If the response is yes, they do, then they go back and they advise the searcher 
that the, that their long lost connection has been found and that they want to meet with them. And then they arrange for a meeting to take place. Now in the show, if those of you have watched it, when the presenter comes to the searcher to tell them the good news that, that their, their parent or whoever has been found and they want to meet up with them, they hand them always a letter that has been written by hand from this parent. And in that letter, it explains to them how they are deeply loved and how they as parents have longed to reconnect with them and that they have never forgotten them every day of their lives. The next thing that happens is the face-to-face meeting takes place. Now, this is emotionally charged. I find myself emotional every time it happens because what happens is these two people who have, who have lived with this not knowing for all these years suddenly see each other. And as they embrace, the hepped up emotions from all that's gone on just is released. And there's often a lot of crying and, and it is really quite gut-wrenching. I suppose for them it's the what could have been is released in them. So many say after they have met that the connection that they, that that once they've finally met, the connection was so strong it was as if they had always known each other. It's as if the 40 or 50 years that has passed with them not knowing them all disappears and they understand that there's this deep connection. That's how deep it is. And, and when they speak to some of them afterwards, here are some of the things that they've had to say once they've found this, this person they've been searching for for so long. They say, I never had that feeling of belonging until now. I always felt, though everything was given to me, there was an emptiness inside. Some have said, I just never felt complete until now. Someone else said, I never really knew who I was. And others have said things like, I knew something was missing. Now I know what it was. For both the searcher and the parent, it's the realisation of decades of knowing that life had so much more to offer. It had brought a deep sense of connection, of wholeness, of completeness, of restoration. Now, I'm, I'm not naive enough to know that for every story that's shown on this program, there are probably dozens of others where the ending isn't that good, where perhaps the parent doesn't want to connect. There are many times when they get to find out where they are and discover that the parent passed away and so that connection can never take place. So not all searchers have a happy ending. Now I'm going to self-disclose this morning and I hate doing this, (laughs) but I know something of that search that never has the happy ending. You see, I never knew my father. I grew up in a single parent home. My, my parents separated and divorced when I was only a baby. 
and I never knew who my father was. And like these people in this story, there was always in my, in my thinking, in my mind, I want to know him. I'm a son, I want to know my father. And yet I was very conscious of the fact that I didn't want in any way to cause distress to my mother. Anyway, it got to me, so at one point, I found out how to find him. I got his phone number and decided that I would ring because I wanted to connect. And so I made that call. It took me weeks to do it. But when he answered the phone and I heard his voice, I hung up. I couldn't go through with it for two reasons. One, because I didn't want to cause any more pain to my mum. But probably the deeper reason was, what if I met with him and he didn't want to have anything to do with me? I'd been rejected once. I didn't want to be rejected again. And because I hung up and never followed that through, even to this day now that both my parents have passed on, there is always that niggling inside me, what could have been? Were there things I could have known about myself that explained so much about myself if I had had that meeting? Anyway, enough of that. After this long introduction, as I said, my message is very simple. This is who Jesus is. I want you to, to look at the scripture this morning, which will explain it. it's from John's Gospel, chapter 1. The very beginning, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming to the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but of God. And here is the verse. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is the miracle. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The, the living expression of God that John writes about becomes the visible expression of the invisible God. 
I could go on and delve into the theological background around these verses. And really those verses I read until it got to that were fairly deep. Trying to explain that Jesus was there at the beginning, that he was the light and there was no darkness. And I could go into that and it's probably important to know it, but I don't want to distract from the miracle this morning, though it's all part of the miracle. No other miracle in Scripture comes anywhere near this, as far as I'm concerned. And I want to say there are some incredible, amazing miracles, some incredible, unexplained, superhuman actions of God recorded in Scripture, aren't there? And not only in Scripture, because don't we believe that our God is a miracle-working God? And his miracles aren't confined to the Word of God. He, pre- he does miracles every day in the lives of so many people that we might not be aware of. He is a miracle working God. And in fact, for some of you, the fact that you are here this morning is a miracle. And you know that more than I know that. I was going to say, I was going to go even as far as to say that this miracle trumps the miracle of the resurrection. But... If I put it in context, the reality is a resurrection couldn't happen if this miracle didn't. They, they are joined together and I think that's what made our worship so powerful this morning because it was reminding us of the final actions as to the why, to why this babe was born, why the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Christmas is becoming bigger every year. Now, it might be because I'm getting older, I'm not sure, just like it seems to come quicker every year. The emphasis, the pressure is that the more you spend, the more you show you care. The more you cram into your Christmas celebrations, the crazier they become, the better they are. Now, far be it for me to be labelled the Grinch that stole Christmas, not that that label's ever been given to me before, but... Do people not see? Do they not understand the damage, the pain, the deep sense of failure all this hype is causing people as it plays out in everyday life? People can no longer live up to the expectations, the expectations of the world, the expectations of others and the expectations they place upon themselves. Who knows this type of pressure is tearing families apart rather than bringing them closer together. And I include Christian families in this. We are no more exempt than anybody else. For so many, Christmas is the most pressured, dysfunctional time of the year. And it weaves its path of destruction right in front of us. It's plain for all to see. Both Megan and Sam mentioned last week about the increase in domestic violence just in these last few weeks. We've seen so many things that have happened in people's lives just these last few weeks. Family breakdown, suicide rates just rise at this time of year. They're all at their peak. And I want to say maybe one of the reasons why I, why I got hooked onto this program is that every time I watch an episode of Long Lost Family, I was so powerfully reminded of the why the word became flesh and taught among us. I'm convinced that the producers weren't trying to portray that message and may not even known that message. 
Because the truth is that no matter how together we might think we have it, we are all broken people. That is the story of humankind. Whether we like to admit it or not, it forms a part of our DNA. We all have so much in common with, with people in these stories that, that are shown each week on this program that, that we are desperate to find a connection because we know that something is missing in our lives. And we have this deep inner sense, this deep inner feeling that something is missing and life has more to offer. So what is the one thing I really want you to know this morning? What's the one takeaway? It's something I'm sure you all know, but let me refocus. Let us remind ourselves again this Advent season that we were created to live in relationship with God. We were made in His image. We are children of God, not just children, but loved children of God. You know, St. Augustine, way back, this is nothing new, way back in, in the third century, St. Augustine of Hippo, came to this conclusion he couldn't work out what was going on, why he was so unsettled. And he wrote his confession. And I'm not going to bore you with it all, but I think many of you will know this famous line of his confession where he says this. He says, um, You were made for us. You made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. We all have this inner, inner sense of needing to find something that may be missing and that something is God's. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us is so much more than the story of an infant born in a stable. It's so much more than families coming together on Christmas Day. It's so much more than exchanging gifts and showing how much we care for each other, as wonderful as all these things are. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us is the redemption story for all mankind. It's God's lifeline to us. And it goes on to say, if we look at verses 12 and 13, to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent nor of human decision, but born of God. It's the message of hope that so many people are seeking and looking for. And the message that so many need to desperately hear. And perhaps as we commence Advent this week, it's a message that you need to hear for yourself again that perhaps for you, you have this sense that something's not quite right, that, that something is missing. And you know deep down that life has more to offer you. You long to be whole. You long to be complete. You long to be connected. We can receive wholeness, completeness, restoration because of this incredible miracle. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now, the one difference in the narrative of the long-lost family is that God loves us so much that He came searching for us before we decided we wanted to look for Him. He didn't wait for us to say, I want to know my DNA. 
before we even understood, he sent Jesus. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. How deep, how deep is the Father's love for us? So what is the one thing? That's the one thing I want you to know. What what do I want you to do with it this morning as you leave from here? What do I want you to do with that one thing? In all the busyness, in all the craziness, in all the hype that this season brings, I want you to put things into perspective. I want you to have an amazing Christmas. I, I want you to enjoy being with family if that's possible. But don't let it overshadow the most amazing miracle. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. At TTP, there's all the Christmas decoration. I looked this year because every other year they've had a manger and I couldn't find it this year. But what I found was a station where it's called Messages of Hope. And it's encouraging people to write a message of hope to someone else. And I'm not really sure how it works because when I'm there, it's normally with Buddy and he's too busy running past it. But I thought, what an amazing idea, a message of hope. I wonder what people are writing. But the greatest message of hope anyone could hear this Christmas is this, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. I mentioned finally that in long lost family always when when the searcher is informed that they have found the long lost family member that that member has written a letter and the letter is read out friends here's God's letter through all its pages it speaks clearly of how much He loves us and how He has longed for us to reconnect from the very beginning of our lives. In fact, it tells us that before we're even formed in the womb, He set a plan and direction for our lives. Read that letter of love. Don't just read it, but apply it to your hearts. What I want us to do... It was only this morning that I I thought of this this song to sing and Dan and worship team, thank you for adding it in at the very last minute. But maybe we could sing again, how deep the Father's love for us. It talks about the whole redemption story, but the redemption story begins with this babe that was born, this miracle, this greatest miracle of God that can transform all of our lives. And as we sing it, just contemplate on what it means for you. And if for you this morning you're feeling like there's still something missing, there's a piece of the puzzle that's not right, I want you to know this morning that Jesus is the answer. And if you want to talk to someone about it, talk to Nathan, you can talk to me, you can talk to who's sitting next to you this morning afterwards and they will explain it to you. But I don't want you going this morning without realising that God through Jesus is the connecting point for us and the Father. Let's sing this lovely chorus together.